Hi, I'm Stephanie, and this is Real Housewives of Neopia. Together, we're going to re-explore some dark depths of pop culture, most of which you've willfully forgotten about. So, although I'm currently unemployed, I've definitely been dedicating my time to scholarly pursuits, so I just want to start off by telling you guys about the latest. I know we're intellectuals here. So when people reference Rock of Love bus, they typically only focus on like Ashley, Farah, or DJ Lady Tribe, which I can't fault people for because the season in general had kind of a soulless vibe. But the contestant who occupies my mind full-time and rent-free is Maria. She was a former model, and the shady-ass editors love to remind us of that fact by playing the same soundbite of hers over and over, regardless of the context where she says, I'm a retired model, in her Wisconsin accent. I probably, that might have been really offensive to people from Wisconsin, so if I'm huge in Wisconsin, I apologize. But we didn't get to know Maria super well as an audience because she was let go kind of early. From what little we saw, she was gorgeous and she had amazing style. I'm obviously a huge enthusiast for a sort of trashy 2008 moment. And Rock of Love Bus was certainly a feast for the eyes in that way. But Maria kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. Among all of the Leg Avenue lingerie sets and bedazzled trucker hats, her looks were pretty ahead of their time, and I think they would even stand the test of time in 2020 and do numbers on Instagram. I think there would be a lot of fast fashion duplicates of the sort of stuff she wore if she was more famous, and it was now. It also stood out that no one that we saw ever said anything negative about Maria, because I know editing obviously is a thing, but that season was sort of marked by a feral mean girl vibe where no one was safe. Maria's exit from the show and life afterwards has been shrouded in mystery, and I've always been desperate to know more. In my own creepy research, I was never able to find anything and even like other podcasters and Rock of Love fans didn't really seem to know the current deal about Maria. Reality Graveyard, Queens, Katie and Kim, they actually are Maria stands as well. So they were the first people I messaged about this development. Anyways. Maria wasn't actually eliminated by Brett, but rather she was forced to withdraw for medical reasons. On episode four, midway through, Big John announces to the women in the morning that Maria was rushed to the hospital overnight due to a medical condition, which we never learn more about, and the last we hear from her is a brief phone call with Brett. She was at the reunion seemingly safe and sound, but she didn't get a segment on stage, which seemed weird because it was sort of a big deal. But maybe she didn't want to. I don't know. I don't think the producers would have been that considerate with her privacy. Anyhow. 
since I'm a certified freak, I've just been trying to find out more for years unsuccessfully, as I have already mentioned. There seemed to be no trace of her anywhere, but the other night I hid a gold mine. Finding out the whereabouts of Maria wasn't the only great thing because I found an amazing old blog and it was from the celebrity era. It was laden with spelling errors, but it was full of new information that I didn't even know. I posted a screenshot on the pod IG at Real Housewives of Neopia. The Rock of Love girls were reacting to the Casey Anthony verdict in one of the posts, for example, and After seeing that, my pineal gland was just forcibly decalcified. There was some other great coverage, like some 2011 Twitter beef between Season 1 Jess versus Brandy C, Ashley, and Farah. The fact that this blog captured an era when Jess could still be found online is remarkable. A modern-day museum, if you will. Among all of these more bombastic posts, I found one that linked Maria's YouTube channel, she had never seen before. Most of the older videos that uh, were being promoted were just slideshows of beautiful pictures of herself set to Alice in Chains songs. The account hadn't been updated in quite some time, but the later end of the content pivoted toward her hairless cats, and I love to see that. The original channel name was Posh Punk, and then it rebranded to Hairless Hipsters. In a leap of faith, I googled Posh Punk Hairless Hipsters, had a glimmer of hope in my heart, and thank God I wasn't disappointed. It turns out that presently, Maria has a super successful and prolific clothing company that's exclusively for hairless cats. It, of course, is called Hairless Hipsters. There was almost unanimously positive customer reviews dating back as recently as a few weeks ago on Facebook, and she has over 10k on Instagram. There wasn't really anything out there about Maria's personal life, but I'm just happy to see that she's alive, well, and thriving. Especially with such an iconic niche business that's very much relevant to my interests. The only other thing I found was an article from the start of the pandemic, and it said Maria temporarily ceased production on the cat clothing to make masks. And I guess she was doing that full time and she wasn't selling them. She was just donating them to hospitals. Love to see it. The bar is pretty low as far as ideologies of the former VH1 stars go. But with that said, it was a huge sigh of relief to know that Maria believes in COVID. They seem few and far between on this circuit. I believe I mentioned the Talk of Love podcast around the inception of this podcast, but since then, it's been flourishing like crazy. As a quick little reminder, it was hosted by Lacey and Heather from Rock of Love originally, but for the better part of a year or so, it's just been Lacey, which I talk about in a very old episode. 
she's had guests every week from all of the franchises. So, of course, I pointed her in the right direction regarding Maria because I want to see her on the pod via DM. So I have my fingers crossed because I would love to hear from Maria. I want to know what she's up to. I want to know about her Sphinx cats and her Sphinx cat clothing line. Nevertheless, I wanted to speak about Talk of Love recently anyways because their latest interview was deeply revealing. Safari Windsor was on it for the second time, who, if you don't know, she won Charm School and she was also a part of Flavor of Love 2 and I Love Money 2. If you're only invested in this sort of universe in a surface level way, she was eliminated the first episode of Flavor of Love 2 because this girl hit her with flowers, so she defended herself. I want the record to show that H-Town did hit her first, and it was Safari's bed. I'll also take the time to remind you that Wire was watching this all go down, and that in present time, her dog's name is Cellphone. That has nothing to do with anything other than the fact that it does a lot for me that her dog is named Cellphone. During the aftermath of that fight, her iconic line is that she offered H-Town some lip chap in a very sweet and sincere way after whooping her ass. So you should know that she currently does have her own lip chap line, which is safarieslipchap.com. I'm going to link that in the top of the episode description, but I love that for her. I also don't want to reduce Safari to that one incident. I just wanted to cite that moment because I think that transcended my weird specific knowledge of these shows and it crossed over into the cultural zeitgeist. So because of that, the context may be helpful for more casual viewers. She was basically the star of the show in both Charm School and I Love Money. Plus, she's been an absolute delight in both of the Talk of Love interviews. You should listen to both of them for yourself, but I did just want to recap a certain incident that Safari mentioned on the latest. She attended the premiere party for Chance's new show on the Zeus Network, but Heather Chadwell from Rock of Love was also there, the former co-host of Talk of Love. Safari, as well as Buck Wild, apparently had internet beef with Heather which was for very valid reasons because Heather posted a bunch of racist garbage on Facebook relating to Colin Kaepernick and she was called out. I believe the following incident without a single doubt, but I'm saying alleged since I wasn't there physically. According to Safari, she just straight up asked Heather why she's at a predominantly black party and also trying to get put on by a black network when she doesn't even respect black people. Heather, of course, rebutted on Instagram, as she always does, and she denied it, and she also called Safari an old woman despite her being three years older than Safari. 
as we touched on way back when, Heather's sort of been wilding on social media. And whenever people talk about her, she's like, I have the proof to prove otherwise. But then she'll post something really inconsequential that doesn't really say anything. In this instance, she just posted a selfie video of her at the party in proximity to Safari, who was turned away. So to clarify, this only shows they were at the same party, which was never in question in the first place. But I digress. Overall, just a huge week for me. I do want to quickly update you on my personal life and food journey before moving on to Season 2, Episode 1 of Real Housewives of Vancouver, because currently I literally am a Real Housewife of Vancouver, so it applies. The kitchen is very, very close to being done, which I'm really excited about. In theory, the oven and dishwasher are arriving next week, so I'm pumped. I'm having incessant, sick, twisted fantasies about all the things I want to make because I haven't cooked in a really long time. During the summer before we moved, we actually picked up this Izakaya cookbook from a stack of free books on the sidewalk, which I dutifully lysoled when we got home every single page. And there are so many exciting, inspiring recipes that I've been wanting to get into. Since it's been getting colder and it's usually rainy here, I really want to make this beef intestine soup. I hope you guys are down with organs if you're a meat eater. I won't judge you if you aren't, but I just ask that you never say never and keep an open heart. On the subject of heart, I love beef hearts, but that's irrelevant. The soup itself is mostly red miso and ruby port, and it has a bunch of other lovely aromatics. Plus, it demands to be served with garlic bread, which is a food group I feel very strongly about. I've really been missing cooking with Aaron since we haven't had access to a stove. We've still been eating well regardless, but it's an activity that we both enjoy, especially together. He's honestly a way better cook than me, objectively. I think he's just really artistic and innovative in the kitchen, and he always likes to reinvent the wheel in all aspects, so that's no different. I might be a better baker only because he doesn't have the experience, but I want to dabble more, too, or help him dabble more, rather. In doing so, I'm sure he'll just end up becoming a better baker than me, but that's life. As I said last week, I got Claire Saffitt's Dessert Person Cookbook, so I'd love to make dessert too if I was feeling audacious. I have my sights set on the Tarte to Tan. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Because it's really pretty, and she just uploaded an accompanying video on that. It's essentially an inverted caramelized apple tart, which I've never had before. But it seems like it would be 
doable but challenging enough that I would feel accomplished for doing it, which is what I'm seeking out. I'll let everyone know how it goes. In other huge breaking news, I had a cheeseburger for the first time since July, and I was left wanting more. Medium burgers are actually illegal in Canada, which is just wild to me. I'm not speaking in a hyperbole when I say medium burgers are illegal. Like, Google it. It's actually illegal. I don't really understand why that is because, like, media, medium rare, rare steaks and tartare and all of that kind of stuff aren't illegal, but medium burgers are. That's why there's no Shake Shack here. I don't want to name drop this place and be a hater because there is really nothing bad about the experience, but the problem is there is also nothing good. Aaron said that's the sad reality in Vancouver because it's the price we pay for the best of a bunch of other kinds of foods, but I do look forward to safely crossing the border once we can to get some Shake Shack because we've both missed her presence dearly. Enough of that for now. We have reached the second and final season of Real Housewives of Vancouver with nearly a new cast. Just like Roni season five, there are now three brand new housewives. Christina and Center for Disease Control, Reiko, are done. Mary, Jody, and Ronnie are back. Let's just jump into the new season taglines because there are a lot to unpack. Ronnie. Life's a journey. It's just more fun on a private jet. Amanda. I put my demons behind me, but I'm still no angel. Robin. I may be a country girl, but I've got this city in the palm of my hand. Mary, life in the spotlight can be tough when you just don't know who to trust. Yulia, Vancouver's beauty is one of a kind, just like me. Jody, nothing tastes as sweet as success, and I've got the perfect recipe for it. I'd say that Yulia's is my favorite, and that makes sense because she seems to be their season two answer to Christina Kiesel. I say this because she's way younger, she's fun, likable on the surface, first impressions alone. Mary's makes me scream because it reminds me of the season one OC taglines that were just random sound bites. Are the police involved? Mary continues to be the comedy queen of Vancouver without even trying. It's honestly no wonder that Jody and Ronnie hate her so much. We're catching up with the OGs first before some extremely ham-fisted and hilarious introductions to the newbies. Ronnie opens the episode by saying she's in it to win it. Last season, she said she grew a lot, learned about herself and her friends. Over the reunion, we also learned about her daughter Remington's death scare and she elaborates on this and said it helped put things into perspective for her. So as a result, she stopped drinking four months ago. That's super amazing because 
season one was dark for a lot of reasons, but watching Ronnie's behavior was especially stomach churning for me personally as someone from like a family of alcoholics. It's provided her with a lot of clarity, so she wants to throw a barbecue to celebrate Remington's life as well as the first responders who saved her. Apparently, Jody was really there for both she and Remington during this time, which is why Ronnie is friends with her again, despite their explosive ending on season one. That's definitely compassionate and kind of Jody, independently of her endless track record of demonic transgressions. I can't deny that. Not only is Jody back, but of course Mia is too. They are a two-headed monster and overall a package deal. We learn that Mia got her nose done, and it looks cute, but I honestly prefer her original nose. Jody agrees with me because she's mainly upset that M- Mia doesn't look as identical to her now. Besides that riveting development, Jody reflects on how Remy's death scare brought she and Ronnie closer together. Although she's made amends with Ronnie, the same can't be said for she and Mary. Huge surprise. She simply states that Mary lies, cheats, steals, and is not her cup of tea. After the obligatory Mary Zilba slander, we realize that Mia is the link to one of the new housewives, Amanda. Mia explains that her friend Amanda wants to start a kombucha company and asks Jody to meet her in a vaguely professional setting. I really love this contrived as fuck setup because Jody is not in the kombucha business or even the beverage industry at large. I know a lot of people really hate when things are so clearly producer-orchestrated and done poorly like this on Housewives or even other shows, but it honestly cracks me up every time, and I feel like it's part of the humor and the genre. I love having my intelligence insulted, but only in this one very specific context. Alleged liar, cheater, stealer Mary is meeting for coffee with Ronnie, who she hasn't seen since the reunion. Unclear on exactly how long that is, but I'm assuming that's at least four months because Ronnie said she hasn't drank in four months. And I feel like if that was a journey for her at the time of the reunion, they would have discussed it since they did chat about her drinking. Anywho, just speculation. In spite of their ever-present tension, Ronnie does extend an invitation to the barbecue, and Mary accepts, albeit apprehensively. Jody basically wants her dead, and Jody obviously will be at the barbecue, so she wants to support Ronnie and Remy, but... She's scared of Jody. Who can blame her? 
she also thinks that Jody's support during the death scare had ulterior motives and it wasn't out of the goodness of her heart. Who's to say? But Jody's one of the several cracks in she and Ronnie's friendship, which, as I've said many times, I think is rooted in lesbianism of some nature. We flash back to the strange marriage argument during the reunion in which Ronnie and Mary were unable to agree on how many times that Mary's been married. That was quite a sentence that I hated saying. This theme is going to persist for a second, so just forgive me. Despite saying that she was only married once, Mary was actually married twice, which is what Ronnie maintained to begin with. Apparently, it was a big secret in such a regrettable and short period of time that the marriage was annulled, and Ronnie claimed she didn't know it was a secret and that Mary's children didn't know, so she did apologize. When they're actually being nice to one another, their friendship does seem sweet. I just wanted to say that. They decide to write a friendship contract on what appears to be a receipt, and all is well for now. Hopefully, Mary can find a more stable friendship in Yulia, the new girl. She's meeting with her to get new art for her apartment because Yulia's gallery was recommended by a friend. By a friend, I think it's fair to infer she means producer. Yulia's super pretty and engaging. Mary's basically just glazed over while Yulia passionately endorses the art. But she says she's impressed by her knowledge and the fact that she's all business. It's hard to hate in this situation because I would probably be the Mary. We'll get to learn more about Yulia later, but this was our first time laying eyes on her. This next introduction is the most insane of all to me. Ronnie's horse riding with her young daughters, especially because that activity has been therapeutic for Remy. She runs into this blonde woman with a southern accent named Robin, who she's allegedly never met and ran into completely by chance. As two strangers do, they start off by discussing how they both had premature babies with health problems, as well as Remy's death scare. I'm not invalidating or poking fun of that experience they bond over, but let's just be frank about how wild this circumstance is. Again, like you would do with anyone you've just met minutes ago, Ronnie invites Robin to her barbecue. We'll learn a little more about Robin's layers later, but for now we learn she's from Texas, but moved to Vancouver after falling in love with a Canadian, which is relatable. She recently divorced him after 17 years, and she cites the divorce as her source of income, and she says she deserves to be comfortable. Above all, we learn that she's a horse girl. In her short little intro scene, she's also really feeling the fantasy. She's alone in a hot tub and she's just like gyrating her butt at the camera and erotically extending her leg outside of the hot tub. 
We're now about to be three for three. Jody's meeting Mia's friend Amanda at the tea house at Stanley Park, where I've been many times. Stanley Park, that is, not the tea house, but now I want to go. Amanda's powerful kombucha pitch is she's making kombucha, which has health benefits, but she struggles to articulate what those benefits are when Jody presses her about it. In her own words, she says, I don't know what it does, but they say it's good for you. Honestly, same. After randomly divulging that she's sober, Jody point blank asks her if that's a struggle in her life. And once again, this is just how it goes when you meet someone for the first time. At this point, uh, Jody brings up Ronnie and how she has a problem with drinking and brags about how she doesn't drink around Ronnie. Interesting tidbit since Amanda doesn't yet know who Ronnie is, but I love everything about it. Amanda starts crying because she says she wishes she had friends that supported her. And Jody responds by inviting her to the barbecue, of course. We go into Amanda's solo scene, and she starts off with a bang by saying she's 33. And trigger warning, because this is wild, but she says she wants to look like she's starving. Within her first few sentences, we learn she's addicted to sex and working out. On a human level, just in these first few seconds, I'll say she's presenting as very unlikable. I don't know about her as an actual person, but the perfect storm of editing is doing her in. She follows up by saying she is not naturally violent, but she has it in her. I know she was asked a specific question to prompt that, but I love the idea of just saying that when telling people a little about yourself. As for her background, she's in the process of a divorce and She's a single mom of three kids, two dogs, plus she has a boyfriend. Amanda continues to be cavalier about hurtful language and ideals, so she describes herself as domestically disabled. Wrapping up the bow atop Amanda's iconically demonic intro, she flat out says she can buy whatever she wants and has no stress. Finally, we're officially introduced to Yulia. She's 26, which is so young for a housewife. Although, was Ashley Darby 26 on season one of Real Housewives of Potomac? I'm not going to Google it right now, but I hope to do so when I'm finished editing. Full disclosure, I took a THC capsule before recording and I underestimated how that would affect the process. If you're hearing this version, that means I listened back to it and decided that it was fine. But as I'm speaking, I feel as though I sound like I'm starring in the film The Room. Anyways, Yulia moved with her family from Russia 12 years ago when she was 14. 
She married Rich, and she says money changed her and made her see that she wants more. I'm sure this will come as a huge shock to you by this point, but Yulia was also invited to the barbecue by Mary. I wrote in my notes on one bullet point, I hate her husband, with no further information. I do remember I was prompted to write this when she was trying on different clothes for the barbecue and agonizing about it, and he was both like negging her and narrating the experience, much to my disgust. It's finally time for said barbecue. We've been talking about it all episode. Yulia and Mary ride there together, and Mary takes the opportunity to warn her about Jody. Similarly, Jody rides with Amanda and informs her that Mary is a terrorist. My favorite quote of the episode is Jody saying, Mary Zilba is pestilence. The girls all trickle in and we get to see them in a group dynamic, which is highly revealing. So far on the surface, Yulia seems very sweet and personable. I wrote something very harsh in my notes next to a bullet point, but this is just first impressions and I'm going to be transparent. Next to a bullet point, I said, Robin seems like a cunt TBH, but Mary feels otherwise and says she's adorable. Jody tells Robin that her friend is from Texas as well, and when she's asked what part, she says Oklahoma. I know that Jody's an actual supervillain, but her mind. As for other first impressions, Jody says it's nasty that Yulia is married to a 55-year-old, even though when she was trying to be silly and cute, she was like jokingly trying to set up her daughter Mia with guys that age on camera last season. The cognitive dissonance. Jody's daughter is at the party too, but not the daughter you're thinking of. Hannah, who I believe is five or six, is in attendance. Since they cross paths, Mary says hi to Hannah and Jody, and Jody initially ignores her, but she eventually says hello back, and she says in her confessional that Hannah was horrified by Mary's face and fillers. I'm sure a six year old said that. Mary also introduces herself to Amanda, and per her confessional, Amanda's first impression of Mary is, she's simple. I don't disagree, but I also feel that Amanda should perhaps do some introspection. Yulia abruptly compares Amanda to Claire Danes, which made me lol. As new friends do, Claire Danes discusses her alcoholism with Robin, and Robin doesn't think alcoholism is real. She says, just stop drinking. This wasn't in a confessional. She just says this to Amanda's face the first time she meets her, as far as we know. I felt in that moment like I was astral projecting and having a lobotomy at the same time. I also wrote down that Robin is giving me Rock of Love contestant energy. She's like Rodeo's evil twin. 
We wrap up the episode by Ronnie toasting to the paramedics who saved her daughter's life. And then her daughter gives a nice little speech. While she has the mic, Remy asks Mary to sing a song. And before she obliges, which she does, Mary says some nice things. And while speaking, Jody is just shaking her head. Ronnie ends the episode by saying she has a feeling this year they're all going to get along. Ominous. If season one of this show was an unintentional parody of the Bravo licensed brand, I think that season two is a parody of that parody. It's escalating to a place of high art, very meta. I'm really reinvigorated by these new casting choices because I think they're batshit and I can't wait to pick up where we left off next Friday. In the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at Botox Groupon, B-O-T-O-X-G-R-O-U-P-O-N, or the pod at Real Housewives of Neopia. If you wish, feel free to rate and review Or you can support this podcast for as low as 99 cents monthly by following the link in the end of each episode description. Please also continue to wear a mask and wash your hands. Love you. Bye.